Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast, where we are destroying the number one excuse that life gets in the way. Today, we're going to be discussing uh, overcoming challenges as a leader. Um, we have uh, Major Clark here with us, and in a little bit, we're about to just introduce him. But I, uh, my name is Victor, and we have Sarah. We'll be uh, hosting uh, today's podcast, and we have a, a list of questions that we're going to be diving into. And even this month, we're going to be focusing on overcoming challenges in different categories of life. So we have this week overcoming challenges as a leader. Uh, we have another one of overcoming challenges in a education, work, and life balance. Um, and we're going to have some other interesting guests uh, throughout this month. So make sure you stay tuned each week. But now we have, yeah, Major Clark, uh, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Nice to be here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. And, and right now in your, I guess, could you uh, tell us your position and what do you do in that position? Yep. I'm the commander of the 73rd Special Operations Aircraft Maintenance Squadron. Um, we're the maintenance squadron for the CV-22s here at Yokota Air Base. And from my perspective, um, I'm in charge of about 180 individuals, uh, six CV-22s. And, um, yeah, we, we provide all of the, the training and education and support for those individuals and those aircraft. We make the maintenance decisions um, for the aircraft and help out individuals with anything they need. Yeah, sounds like a very busy job. Yeah. Um, so what, <laughs> what would you say um, – like, what all does, what types of challenges do you commonly see as a commander? Um, as the commander, uh, challenges kind of fit into both realms of sometimes there's there's plenty of aircraft challenges. And, you know, I, I kind of fit as the middleman between um, those, those the, the 21st is is essentially the, the people we're responsible to for providing aircraft, the yeah. 21st. Uh, Special Operations Squadron, they fly our aircraft, um, and they have their training needs, um, which is our, you know, one of our main responsibilities is to provide them with aircraft so that they can accomplish their goals as a unit. Um, balancing also the, the health and well-being of the, the maintainers within our squadron and their ability to, to repair and regenerate aircraft for future sorties. Um, those, those two different ideas do come into contact on a pretty regular basis, so um, it, it's kind of up to me and, and at our squadron leadership level to, to, make, to make those balancing um, decisions of how much support we can p- provide to the flight line while also supporting our maintainers and keeping them healthy and, um, it, and of course, all of the pillars and keeping them healthy and able to, to keep going and to regenerate without overburdening, overtaxing them to know know what our capabilities are, know where our limits lie, um, and, and make those balancing decisions between two somewhat, um, you know, competing ideas and concepts there. Yeah. And that sounds like a everything you just said, like a huge burden. <laughs> it's scary. Like, even to a point, like, how do you sleep at night? Like, just with all that that burden. But, like, yeah. what what kind of training, I guess, to – lead up to this your position now like what kind of training did they put especially learning how to balance uh, all of those difficult components yeah that's that's a good question and um that's something i talk to my cgos with uh, pretty regularly um i'm a 21 alpha um which means i'm an aircraft maintenance officer by trade and essentially our entire career field is built around my position uh, my position and the other command positions um 
you know, we, we get those four years of lieutenants and then six years as a captain and essentially 10 years as a CGO to, to learn and develop the skills necessary to eventually reach um, my position. So, um, you know, the entire time is a combination of learning aircraft, learning aircraft maintenance, learning those priorities and how to um, deploy with aircraft, to regenerate aircraft. Um, to make all of those aircraft maintenance decisions, working on the production side of Realm, doing the scheduling pieces, um, you know, working with the operations squadrons, and then, of course, tying that back into, you know, working with a, a smaller groups of yeah. maintainers um, and enlisted airmen, um, working with uh, senior enlisted counterparts, um, learning their roles and, and their perspectives on things and um, meeting and working with young airmen, helping them uh, through awards and, and EPRs. And um, again, it's it's a it's a long road. And, and essentially, that's that's the primary function for our uh, CGOs is to spend those 10 years just learning um, the skills necessary on, on both sides of those, um, you know, working realms to eventually be able to do my job. Okay. Yeah. So a culmination of a lot of years of work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, would you say that your job has to have a high level of emotional intelligence to work through a lot of issues with people in your squadron? I, I would say that's the, the, the goal, yeah. um, certainly. And I think, you know, the Air Force and particularly my career field is learning that lesson better and better. Of course, you know, everyone has different skills and capabilities, um, knowledge aspects, uh, probably you know, within the Air Force and, and within the career field, that probably hasn't always been a main goal. Um, there's certainly been times and and in different uh, organizations that, that there's been a, a different higher focus on maybe one of those two um, extremes of strictly aircraft generation. Um, and, and, and perhaps at times some maintainers have suffered because of that. But I would say right now we're in a very healthy place um, as an Air Force, as a career field, mm-hmm. in 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 finding a better balance to those um, and realizing that if we're going to try to do more with less or we're going to have uh, multi-capable airmen, um, you know, we, we need to we need to support them, develop them, retain them. Um, so I think I think there's definitely been a stronger emphasis lately on um, having a, a high EQ and um, being able to make decisions that that you know balance the best interests yeah. of the the airmen with the the generation side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's good. And I, I don't know, um, yeah, if you, if you don't mind even sharing your your degree that you got before coming to the Air Force. Sure. Um, no, I yeah, I got my my degree in behavioral sciences. So um, it, it was always an interest to me. Um, on it, I, it was a. I, Leadership and organizations was the subset of it, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, I always saw my role um, as essentially the way I see my role now is, is finding those balances yeah, and yeah. Uh, to support um, maintainers and to, to make sure that they they last and um, you know if not always happy with their job, satisfied and um, you know with the tools necessary to to keep going and to overcome those hard challenges yeah. that we all face um, on a pretty regular basis. So, yeah, no, I, I feel I was prepared pretty early on yeah. um, for specifically what I believe my role is. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad the Air Force is, is, is trending more in the direction of where I believe my, my role lies. No, I, I agree. And that's why the only reason I, w- I wanted to bring it up because of you, I usually run into, like, maintenance officers and their degree sometimes – 
I, I had I bumped yeah, into one that had like technical. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, certainly. we could say yeah. So mine was uh, a guy was a uh, theater. So he had a, a background in theater, which was it was great because I think kind of how he saw it that he was able to kind of tap into a little bit more of uh, the way that people think and their processes and your degree too, um, especially as you develop the 10 years as a CGO, which is a commission grade officer from uh, second lieutenant all the way to captain. And as you built up to that point, and then now in this leadership role, that your degree background kind of really fit in that that role as a leader and as a commander um, that could kind of tap into that EQ side of it. Yeah. Did you have a favorite class that was part of your degree at all? Um, oh, wow. Uh, a favorite class? Um Very hard question. I yeah, know. that is a hard question. Um, or favorite professor. A favorite class. I know I had a, a variety of interesting classes, and I think they all um, they they all kind of pushed me and developed me in different ways. Um, I, I um, yeah, if I if I had to pick a favorite, it 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 was one I took late. Um, it, it's one that every behavioral sciences major has to take, but it's. Um, uh, social psychology mm. and favorite from that perspective just that social psychology is the fun class yeah. um and that's uh that's where you know you get to train rats you get to uh um you, you know practice the practice some of the it, it's more hands-on it's more practical um you get to practice some of the more developmental aspects um I would always say that's my favorite class just because it, it's kind of the fun stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's the research projects that involve, um, you know, having people uh, experimenting with people, mm-hmm. um, having them try different things, giving them questionnaires to answer, giving them, um, you know, confusing puzzles to try to solve yeah. and trying to learn more about mm-hmm. behavior and psychology from a more experimental realm. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I certainly had a lot of classes on military leadership. Um, leadership in general, uh, more advanced levels of psychology, but the, but the basic fundamental social psychology class, that's the one I always recommend to everybody because yeah. that's that's usually the fun stuff, the experimental yeah, stuff, yeah. the, the um, challenging things like that that um, I, I think a lot of people find enjoyable about psychology. Yeah, and that's awesome. Um, and then, so now with with your degree, we're going to go to a, yeah another question that I, I – I kind of mentioned in the beginning of like with all that huge burden that you carry, like how do you sleep at night? Because this is a huge part. So for yourself or for others that are listening, how do you wrestle or what advice would you give for those that are wrestling with those internal challenges? Yeah. Um, again, using the, the different pillars to, yeah. to, to find an individual support is um, is kind of the the main core of it. Um, just knowing yourself, knowing um, you know, ha- having some faith in in your decision making. I think is one of the big things about it. Um, you know, you can always go back and, and second guess yourself, but I think if you yeah. do the legwork ahead of time and you put in a lot of thought before making a decision, I always find that for me personally, that helps on the back end of not having to overanalyze uh, a decision you made having mm-hmm. to you know it, it, it somewhat helps you sleep at night yeah, if yeah. you if you feel like you put in the work ahead of time that you you looked at the different angles and the different possibilities and you, and you really weighed your decisions um, 
for me, that helps me, you know, not second guess myself later on. Um, I, I think that's what, you know, probably a lot of leaders struggle with at times. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I find the, the legwork ahead of time to be very beneficial. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Or basically putting faith in your decision. Sure. Um, I, I think that's a, a very powerful statement It kind of for other leaders to kind of avoid that second guessing a lot of the decisions from there. And then I know for yourself, do you have a great support staff that you get to lean on and get their advice to kind of help in those decision making processes? Yeah, first sergeants and chiefs. And yeah. They all have different perspectives. Um, different priorities at times yeah um yeah it's it's nice to to be able to build a coalition to help you in the decision making process and say building the coalition like through that having those that have different perspectives and even personalities how did you navigate that as a commander Ooh. um yeah um you you need you need different people with different perspectives to to make the most informed decision you can um, I, I also like to to kind of bounce ideas off of them and, and, and see if I can get them to, to side to side with me to, to see if I can win them over to my arguments. That's just me personally, but um, it, at times you need to work with people that, that also understand that um, essentially only one person can be the decision maker. Mm-hmm. And you know at the end of the day that that decision needs to be made. Um, so you need to be, you know you need, you need to have a strong working relationship that that even in times when you're not gonna um, not gonna side with people that they understand that you still value their opinion yeah um, and that um, you know weigh their opinion and 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 even though they they can help you in a variety of decisions um, you might not always side with them and, and as long as everybody has that that familiar working relationship I think things work out pretty smoothly and it's pretty easy to get people to offer you their opinions and offer you their ideas to, you know, improve things, to change things, to do things differently, um, to consider their point of view. But it, it, it's important to, to understand each other and to understand what the roles are that you've each been given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like um, a lot of mutual respect goes into that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Just making sure that everyone understands that comes from a place of respect. And at the end of the day, you got to weigh the decisions that are coming down yeah and i think as a leader as a commander um you have to own that process you have Mm -hmm. to own having that buy-in from everybody having that um working relationship um it it does fall somewhat on everybody um i mean definitely the the opinion offers and and obviously at this point in my career i've been in all different roles and, and stages um i i've offered my my opinion to plenty of commanders and you you know you have to you have to understand that you're you're not always going to get your way if you're not the decision maker. Um, but then I, I think as the decision maker, you also have to own the process of building the coalition and, and having, um, you know, everybody at least understand you um, and your, your thought processes and how you make your decisions. Hmm. So our last question is, do you have any advice for future leaders as well as any good recommendations maybe books audiobooks um history um there's been a lot of great history um examples over time a lot of great leaders i see you got a quote from general powell here you didn't ask me but um again there's a lot of great thinkers out there throughout history and um i mean other than psychology i've always been very interested um, and just how people did things in the past. I mean, going back to, to Roman generals, to 
um, Revolutionary War generals to essentially World War II history. There's there's a huge font of um, information and experiences other people had. And, you know, you can learn a lot from other people's trials and mistakes. And even if you may never face um, the same challenges, just learning their thought processes and, and how they came to be decision makers, um, you know, big, big challenges that they've faced that hopefully um, no one today, you know, has to face on the, the same level mm-hmm. of responsibility or skill. That that thought process challenge that um, a lot of leaders are willing to share and talk about um, how they they made impactful decisions that affected the lives of millions of people. Um, you know, you can learn a lot through their processes and procedures. And um, again, sometimes they were successful, sometimes they were unsuccessful. And there's there's usually a lot of information and feedback that um, they can offer up without you having to go through the, the same trying experiences yourself. So I, I look at a lot of history books. Um, I, I enjoy those yeah, reads, yeah. but that's why I always recommend to everybody. Yeah, and we did kind of skip around on questions yeah, a did. lot. Um, would you would you like to talk about that one? Oh no, I I, uh, I just saw you had quotes in here. I like I, that. I um, did. Yeah. Well, for those, I mean, if you guys are wondering, so the quote I throw in there with General Powell is, "Leadership is solving problems." And then another one is, "The day soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day you have stopped leading them." I mean, do you? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, it's uh, it, it amused me because uh, as as cadets at the academy, we had to we had to learn and memorize a, a variety like of um, quotes. And uh, General Powell has a lot of great ones. Yeah. And one of his quotes we had to memorize was the the day your soldiers stop bringing you the problems is the day you've stopped leading them. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I think there's a big challenge there, and uh, it, it's actually very rewarding as a commander to get people to bring you their their problems and, again, to be able to solve those problems. Um, it, a lot of the, the problems we get brought as commanders are problems only we can solve um, because they have to come to us. Um, and, and and sometimes I, I try to get away from that and I try to find the, the smaller problems mm-hmm. before they become big problems yeah, yeah. or um, to, to find out what's bugging people or, mm-hmm. you know, problems only I can solve but people don't consider a big enough problem to bring to me. Yeah. So um, a big part, I think, of my job in command in general is is that hunt and and being able to get people to, to share, you know, not just major problems of life-changing events that, that obviously will come to the commander. Those, those always happen. But um, just even the minor annoyances or the minor things that, that only they're thinking about that like, hey, this would be nice to have. This would be um, a quality of life improvement to, to be able to dr- dig those out of people, to draw those out. Um, and then, you know, having the money and resources to, to be able to quickly um, solve or rectify some of those problems or even just alleviate them somewhat um, to, to use the resources that, that iron provides yeah. to – um, you know, help people out on individual cases or causes or concerns uh, to just bring those to attention when, uh, you know, a lot of people are um, stoic themselves and will we'll push through with uh, certainly not only problems, but just things that are difficulties or um, uncomfortable problems. As a commander, as a leader, it's, it's actually quite nice to have those brought to your attention at times just so that, uh, you know, you have more things that you can tackle, um, you know, more direction for your yeah. resources. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then, yeah, thank you yeah, for sharing that. And thank you, Major Clark, for kind of joining in on this uh, podcast. And I hope everyone, I mean, a lot of 
nuggets and truth uh, through everything that you were saying that we can kind of apply uh, to our life, our leadership skills, and even how to overcome challenges as people kind of fall into a leadership role, like uh, maybe hopefully like uh, those uh, will be future commanders that will be able to learn from this uh, podcast. But like I said, we're doing a whole series this month, Obstacle Overcoming Challenges, and just kind of stay tuned each week to different episodes and having uh, different special guests. Uh, thank you for listening in. Thank you.